This episode of Ghosted in West Virginia is brought to you by Right Live. Weddings, private events, band and DJ bookings, live sound, and more. Contact Right Live for all your event needs. We are dedicated to providing entertainment, promotion, production for all of your special events. Contact them at rightliveevents.com, rightliveevents at gmail.com, or on Facebook at Right Live. Until then, enjoy Ghosted by Right Live. Hey guys, it is I from Gro- Alec from Ghosted in West Virginia. I'm just here to tell you that if you want to help Ghosted uh, become the podcast that you, you know it can be, rate, review, and follow wherever you listen to our podcast and spread the show around. All right, let's really get a lot of people in our graveyard. Let's go, folks. You're listening to Ghosted in West Virginia. Obsessors, oppressors, and possessors. It is I, Eric McKen. And with me as always. Julia. And we have a special guest. Jacob. <laughs> and we are here to do an episode. And this episode is quite good. However, we do have a couple of announcements. First, we said we were going to do... Uh, a couple of episodes for Christmas and we are doing a couple of episodes so we're going to give you a preview just like a little snippet just a, like a little summary of what our episode is about uh, Jules you want to tell them what your Christmas episode is um, folklore from different places so kind of sort of like the one I did last year but different Texture. figures fi- fi- different Different people. Folklores. Folklores. Yeah. Different legends. Yes. I'm having I, a stroke. I can. It's all right. You know, <laughs> you've worked really hard today. We had to go to a bunch of places, one of which didn't seem very necessary. Turns out. But it makes it, me feel better to know it. That's true. It's it is it. But it's it's just a, a long time to be out of the house. Yeah, and now we're out even more. With yeah. Another car episode. That's true, but being out this time, we knew we were going to be out, so it's not... Can you turn on your hotspot, he says. Yeah. Uh, we don't really have signal um, well, right will here. Well, once I get okay. off this road. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then... <laughs> and then my episode is uh, going to be about... It's an Ed and Lorraine Warren episode. It's about a family that is being haunted pretty severely and it's all because this 
girl got a conjuring book for Christmas. Wait, Alec, tell them how I scared you. How did you scare me? Whatever you said he must be in. Oh, you didn't you didn't scare me. I just how? I just said how. Like I didn't understand how you got in the car when I saw you. <laughs> or when I didn't oh see you. Uh, when I got in was here. He creeping back there? I guess seat? he's got a bright shirt on. I don't understand how I didn't see him. But anyway, so those are our episodes. Uh, but for tonight, we are doing a pretty cool episode. I told Jules is probably the coolest, like most, like you think of a possession story, and there are certain things that go along with it. And this is an old world possession story. It's from seventeen. Uh, 88 is the telling of it, but it supposedly happened in 1770. Long there, time ago. There were some conflicting accounts on when it started. Some uh, One part said 1770. One part said, like, you know, 1769, I think. Or maybe that was just my screwed up math doing it. I'm not sure. But I do know it is a very cool uh, possession story. We're going to start it out with a letter that was written by a clergyman that witnessed a... It is one. Yeah. No, I don't need it. Oh, okay. Why? Oh. Um, uh, he witnessed some of the possession and was told of the events, like the parts that he didn't see. I'm going to read it now. Okay. <laughs> Sir... When you can spare room in your gazette, I think you will not be able to present your readers with an account so extraordinary and surprising as the following. It is the most singular case of perverted reason and bodily suffering that I ever heard of. Nor have the most learned and ingenious persons been able to solve the phenomenon, much less to administer relief to the afflicted object. You may depend on the authenticity of every part of the relation. A member of my family, having been near 30 years minister of the place where the person resides, many of my friends still inhabiting it, and myself having been frequently a witness to the facts, I shall mention. What do you need? Nothing. Tank is just talking to himself. Oh. 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 Oh, you don't have to do that, but okay. this is... Oh, he's giving sound effects. Yes, I was confused. Perfect. I'm so easily distracted. About 18 years ago, the unfortunate subject of this epistle, going about the neighborhood with other fellows acting Christmas plays and mummeries. That bag is quite loud. Thank you. <laughs> that was too much. Um, Acting Christmas plays or mummeries, which is a meaningless ceremony uh, and, and flattery. So it's like, uh, uh, like it wasn't, it was frowned upon. Suddenly fell down senseless and was with great difficulty recovered. When he came to himself, the account he gave was that he seemed at the moment of his fall to have received a violent blow from the hand of some person who, as he thought, was allowed to punish him for acting part in the play. From that moment he has been subject at uncertain and different periods to fits of a most singular and dreadful nature. I'm doing great right now. Just let me, let me just say... 
I am impressed with what I've got right now. <clears throat> All right, now I'm done being conceited. Let's go on. Okay. The first symptom is a powerful agitation of the right hand, to which succeeds terrible distortions of the countenance. The influence of the fit has then commenced. He declares in a roaring voice that he is the devil, who, with many horrid execrations, feelings of hatred or loathing, and I'm defining that because I was like, what? And and I knew that if I didn't know, other people wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Look at you, smarty pants. What? Belittling all of us. I'm not belittling. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I fully admitted I did not know. You said if I didn't know, I know y'all don't know. <laughs> that is not how I meant it. I meant if I have a thought process of if I have thought about it, someone else has too. Because I don't think there's very much original. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Summons about him certain persons devoted to his will and commands them to torture this unhappy patient with all the diabolic powers in their means. The supposed demon then directs his servants to sing. Accordingly, the patient sings in a different voice a jovial hunting song, which, having received the approbation, of the foul fiend is succeeded by a song in a female voice very delicately expressed and this is followed at the particular injunction of the demon by a pastoral form song in the form of dialogue sung by and in the real character of the patient himself after a pause and more violent distortions he again personates the demon and sings in a hoarse frightful voice another hunting song But in all these songs, whenever any expression of goodness, benevolence, or innocence occurs in the original, it is opposite meaning. Neither can the patient bear to hear any good words, whatever, nor any expression relating to the church during the influence of his fits, but is exasperated by them into the most shocking degree of blasphemy and outrage. Neither can he speak or write any expressions of the tendency, whilst the subsequent weakness by their mention. (laughs) (laughs) Having performed the songs, he continues to personate the demon and derides the attempts which the patient has been making to get out of his power, that he will persecute and torment him more and more to the end of his life. And that all the efforts of parsons and physicians shall prove fruitless. You have another bag? Stop eating so much, man. Okay. You gotta chill. Okay. What if we get out of the game and you get hungry again? Yeah, you didn't think of that? Okay, I'm sorry. What if you get out of the practice and get hungry again? Hmm? I usually eat during episodes, and I'm not, so someone has to. Well, I'm just saying, he, the bags. The bags are quite... Quite loud. All right, here we go. In an inverted te deum, which is a song of praise, is then sung in the alternate voices of a man and a woman. And I defined that one because it's Latin, and I know no one knows Latin unless you're... I do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I actually took Latin. 
in, in high school. Both of my basketball games. You won one of your basketball games. You lost the first one. I know that. But you've only played... No, you've, you've had two. And, and you do know that because you said you won both. Not all, you know, you didn't say two of your basketball. You said all both. But you did, you did good in both your games. Yeah. I don't, I don't want people to think I'm downing him. I just would prefer if he told the truth. Liar! Who with much profaneness thank the demon for having given them power over the patient, which they will continue as long as he lives. The demon then concludes the ceremony by declaring his unalterable resolution to punish him forever. And after breaking fiercely and interspersing many assertions at his own diabolical dignity, the fit subsides into the same strong agitation of the hand that introduced it, and the patient recovers from its influence, utterly weakened and exhausted. At certain periods of the fit, he is so violent that an assistant is always obliged to be at hand to restrain him from committing some injury on himself. Though to the spectators, he is perfectly harmless. He understands all that is said and done during his fits and will even reply sometimes to questions asked him. He is under the influence of these paroxysms generally near an hour. I don't know what a paroxysm is. I think I've, I've heard the word, but I don't know what it means. I think I think I define it later because when I'm copying when I'm copying uh, a letter or some sort of thing, man, that is bright. No, I even fixed this so that it wasn't directly in my eye. I don't enjoy being in front of pickup trucks. They seem to always be driven by people that like. Like, what do you need all that for? He's got a lot of stuff in there. Never mind. <laughs> um, but, I, so when I'm copying this stuff, I don't, like, think about it. But I came up again with it, I think, in the telling of yeah. the actual story. Um, anyway, during which time, his eyes are fast closed. Sometimes he fancies himself changed into the form of an animal. The what? I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes he fancies himself changed into the form of an animal. When he assumes all the motions and sounds that are peculiar to it. From the execrations he utters, it may be presumed that he is or was of an abandoned and profligate character. But the reverse is the truth. He was ever remarkably innocent and inoffensive and inoffensive disposition. I need to tell you something real fast. Okay. Okay, so it's not even about this podcast, but this voice that you're using, you sound exactly like the man in my podcast of the Christmas Chronicles I've been listening to. Oh, okay. Carry on. All right. Carry on, Dave. Where was I? Oh, right. Every method that the various persons who have come to see him have suggested, every effort of some very ingenious gentlemen of the faculty who applied their serious attention to his case long ago and recently exerted without success, 
and some years ago he was sent to St. George's Hospital where he remained about 20 weeks and was pronounced incurable. Of late he has every day at least three and sometimes nine of these fits. That's quite a jump. Right. Which have reduced him to great weakness and almost despair. For he cannot hear any virtuous or religious expression used without pain and horror. The emaciated and exhausted figure that he represents, the number of years that he has been subject to this malady, and the prospect of want and distress that lies before him through being thus disabled from following his business, all preclude the suspicion of imposture. His life is becoming a series of intense pain and anxiety. Should any of your readers question the authenticity of this relation or conceive themselves able to administer relief or even mitigation to this afflicted object, you know your correspondent and have my free consent to refer them to me. I remain your very humble servant, W.R.W. Rington, June 5th, 1788. Boom. I... (laughs) Rock that. Yes. No. That was just a letter. Episode. Son, we've been doing this for like two years now. What do you mean is that episode one? I just had a heartburn. Oh. Alright. So now we're going into the story. Okay. So it was reported that George Lukens had repeatedly told people that he was possessed by seven devils. Just on the street. He tell them. Just told random people. That's how it sounded. Um, he believed that if he could get seven different priests to pray with him, they would be cast out. So he told, you know, he told this to so many people that there was like just this rising pity for him in his local area. He did not receive any medical treatment for what ailed him and, and, you know, things weren't up to like mental standards that day, you know, in those days. Eventually, someone took an interest in him and brought him to Bristol, England on June 7th to see if he could be treated somehow and realized this is after that letter that I just read. Okay. So, someone must have seen that letter and been like, let me see what I can do. So, he basically went through this for like 18 years before he was ever Ever dealt with. Um, now, that's not to say that people hadn't tried. I'm sure people had tried. Like, it said he'd been seen by doctors and stuff. Yeah. Didn't sound like he went to through too many, like, spiritual avenues. Um, and, and it does sound very much like it's, like, the last-ditch effort for him. But uh, he goes to Bristol, England, June 7th, to see if he could be treated. As the reporting goes, there were many people that came to visit him from different denominations because of what had already been shared in the papers. He seemed to have a scheduled, or he seemed to have scheduled fits around 7 in the morning, 11 in the morning, and then 7 in the evening. But frequently he had about 7 fits a day once he got to Bristol. It's weird that they were like scheduled, yeah. yeah. But also, you have to think in other typical um, possession, demonic haunting stories, there's always a specific time when something happens. Like the clock stop at 3, 
or, or something like that. So, uh, George, uh, George Lutz kept waking up at the same time every night. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. There's always a, it seems to be a, a timed pattern of yeah. when things are going to happen. It is weird that it's happening during 7 and 11. Like, it's during the daytime. Yeah. You know? Um, so, he had a visitor report uh, the following. And yes, I'm quoting more, but... I mean, this stuff, these are eyewitness accounts that I'm putting out there. So just, you know, go with me. I won't do the voice because that took a lot out of my voice. Yeah. Uh, Just a little bit. Wednesday, the 11th of June, about a quarter before seven in the morning, I went to see George Lukens, of whom it was reported upon respectable authority that he was possessed by the devil. After I had been with him about 20 minutes, his fits commenced by a violent convulsion of the nervous system, beginning with a powerful agitation of the right hand, which soon extended over the whole body. So the the fits are coming on the same way. There's a pattern to them. This agitation was uh, attended with such shocking distortions of the countenance. Countenance, for those that don't know, is a face... That is impossible for language to describe. After he had been in this situation about a quarter of an hour, he made a deep roast. What? <laughs> deep. He made a deep roast in his mouth. I think so. A deep roar is actually what it's supposed to be, and a voice that made the room shake. Immediately after the roar, the demon, as if enraged, violently exclaimed, Damn thy soul to hell! After repeating this execration several times, the fiend added, Thou thoughtest by coming to Bristol to avoided to have avoided my power and authority. Ah 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 Thou fool <laughs> Dost thou not know that I have the supreme command over thee, and that it is in vain for thee to get out of my power? I tell thee, fool, tis all in vain, for I say and swear by my infernal den, there are deer in the road and we're about to die. Whew! That was terrifying. Right? Because this ain't my car. Right? Whew! I won't be doing that voice again because that's when they showed up. That I will torment thee 10,000 times worse than ever. The writer goes on to say that the voice took a break from yelling and the patient fell into uh, violent facial distortions again. After the convulsions ended, several different female voices started to emanate from George, all repeating the same thing the demon had said, and they did it in a more intense, taunting way, as if to taunt George, specifically. Um, They made good on the demon's promise to torment George worse than before. You gotta turn that down, homie. Um, uh, The visitor reported that George was brought to the brink of his own life. Immediately following this, the voices started singing in celebration of their power over the victim. There were no words, just vocalizations that switched from the entity that was identified as the devil and then the female voices and this is all like at the same time all these voices are coming like the devil will come out and then the female voices all come out at the same time it sounds like 
George has several people talking out of his mouth at the same time. Um, after they were done with all that, uh, there was a break for about two minutes in which he was able to like kind of rest and then George's mouth or, and then from his mouth, the demonic voice called out for his servants to come to him. Now, no one was able to see anything around them, but after some time, the voice said, now you are here. We will have a dance and a song. This is the weirdest thing to me because you don't see this in any case. Like I have never seen this in any case, but there is many people reporting that this is what happened. So the devil calls for, for people to come dance around. A female voice then comes through and starts humming a hunting song. Humming is not okay. No, humming is super creepy. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, whistling, humming in the dark. Stay away, please. Don't do it. Don't come here with your, with your fancies, fanciness. Um, after this, multiple voices joined in the song, and George, during this, was dancing around, but in movements that did seem against his will. They were kind of disjointed, kind of just like someone that is moving a puppet around or, or something, you know? After this, the demon expressed satisfaction over the proceedings that were playing out in the spiritual realm. Now, keep in mind, the visitor and anyone else there, they were just seeing and hearing one man perform all this. So, just imagine you're all there and he's just dancing around while he's... Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, very creepy. Uh, multiple voices coming out of him simultaneously. Simultaneously, he was dancing around to a song they were hearing come from him, but not in his voice. And they were seeing, or they were not seeing what the demon inside George was seeing, which is weird. Sorry, I had some indigestion a little bit. I burped a little bit. Jacob said he had it too. Yep. The demon then said, Now you have had your dance and your song. I will sing a song myself. You shall hear your master. You shall hear the devil sing for once. And as the devil sang out of George's mouth, he was flung around on the floor violently. Now, again, what? I, I would normally call seizure at this point, but... He had intelligible words coming out of his mouth at the same time as he's flopping around on the floor. True. Two men had to physically hold him down to keep him from hurting himself. The demon just laughed and said that the two men couldn't help. It then asked where the other men that had been there before and claimed that they knew that if... Or, I'm sorry, he, he was like, well, where are the other two men that were here? The, the men in black, co black coats... And then he claimed that they knew that if they had come back, the demon would master itself over them, too. Um, and it went on like this for a full two minutes, even after a young preacher had entered the room. George's body turned to the minister and three times repeated, Damn thy soul to hell. And then uh, to the patient, it said, Thou fool, what dost think? What is happening to me? I don't know. What dost think to bring an unbelieving black-coated fellow to withstand my power and authority? I tell thee, fool, it is all in vain. It is of no use for them to come here to prate. If they come to see me, I am the devil. If that is all they come for, it is well. 
The demon's torments turned once again to the patient, and this went on for several more minutes, and then he was sent into another seizure before the demon came back. He made it clear that he wanted full authority over this man until the end of his life. He taunted him about using his corpse after he died to make him walk around during his funeral, which is <laughs> rude, but also sort of funny. Like, imagine you're walking, you're, you're coming to say goodbye to George, and he's like, Phil, Phil, I have to tell you something. Right. I know what your wife did last night. <laughs> she was me. No, that's <laughs> gross. Um, he also, <laughs> but can you imagine <laughs> expecting to see him laid out, and he's just sitting in the chair. How's everybody doing? Right. Um... He also flew into a string of blasphemies aimed at the preacher. And at the end of these obscenities, a female voice came through chanting, We praise thee, we magnify thee, we own thee to be our supreme head and governor, O devil. We acknowledge thy power, and may it be extended from one end of the earth to the other, O devil. We give thanks unto thee, better not sing that. And that thou hast given us power over this man to torment him. And may that power be increased unto us and extend to the end of his life. Oh, devil. Man, these are some wordy uh, female dogs, man. Right. Yeah. They repeated this six times. I would at this point fully believe this dude does have the devil in him. Uh, there was a note that said the next day five ministers came to sing hymns to him while he was held in a chair by two men. He threw those men off, snatched the hymn book from one of the ministers, and then just kind of like threw it on the ground and just stared at the minister. And the two men tried to get him to sit down. But no matter how much they tried to force him, he would not go. And then they kind of just pushed on his stomach to... Are you talking to yourself? Oh, you have to talk to you. Okay, I see. Um, so they pushed on his stomach to get him to sit. Going back to the visitor's account of uh, what he witnessed, he finishes with this. The devil still boasting of his power, threatening that when he had got us into his fernal, infernal den, we should all bow down, at which point the man bowed his head between his legs almost to the ground, like he was almost folded in half. And acknowledged him to be our supreme governor. He then blasphemed for some time and departed for the present. Now, the day before his rescue, which was a Thursday, his events would happen more violently and for a longer period of time. Started at 11 when his right hand started to tremor and contort and then his leg started to shake. Very soon, his whole body started to convulse and a strange amount, or uh, started to convulse a strange amount. Witnesses to the event uh, then saw the man start to mime clapping and his mouth and eyes distorted in a way that is apparently inhumanly impossible. Still in the physical state of the, uh, the demon's voice came through claiming to be the devil again and claimed to be the supreme governor. He again called his minions to him uh, and then shouted out angry oaths, curses, imprecations, and exclamations. After this, the female voices came out praising the apparent devil that was in the man. They sang a reverse Te Deum, which, again, as I said, is a praise to God 
Uh, but in this point, it's a praise to the devil. Uh, and then with a shrill, melodic voice, they started humming. Again, no. Soon, one of the ministers that were there uh, pushed all the other attendants to sing spiritual hymns to overpower the demonic ones. He said, we haven't come here to hear the devil sing. They sang, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing and my Redeemer's name. I, I have not heard any of those songs, so I don't know what they sound like. When, I don't know. When they were done singing, one of the other ministers started praying, and the devil started singing even louder, and then cried out about how strong he was, and just everything it had been saying the entire time, because the devil repeats. And here we are at practice, so we shall return. return. You guys won't know that anything's changed, but we know. We know. The first ones here except for Drew. Yeah. How about that? How about that? I might have to grab it. We are out of the uh, practice. Thank goodness. Jacob did <laughs> fantastic falling on his face. We all saw. <laughs> oh, I have a boo-boo. Oh, no. Look at my boo-boo. <laughs> we can't see in the dark, son. It's pitch black out. You know, it's like 745. Ain't oh, nobody can see. We almost... Coming back from the store, we almost hit a deer. This has nothing to do with uh, the story, though. With your new friend? Yeah, with my new friend, who was just like, let's go to the store. Right. And let me tell you about my thoughts on welfare. <laughs> before <laughs> before you pull out your welfare card to try and use, and it doesn't work. <laughs> now I gotta buy your shit. Oh, now I gotta buy your stuff. Oh, man. Anyway... This is, see, this is why, this is why we need you guys to buy our hoodies, <laughs> buy our merch, so that we don't have to pull out. <laughs> it was very, like, the welfare system sucks, man. He was, I know that's... He had no idea, and, and he also, I don't think he's, he knows what a welfare card looks like. Um... He just said, you must have the wrong pen. No, man, it's just that the store doesn't take welfare. <laughs> and I let him think. I was like, yeah, it must have been the wrong pen. I actually, he said, it must be the wrong pen. And I went, ah, like like he could figure it out because right. it's his card. Like, <laughs> But so getting back to the story of George. So the ministers started praying, and that's where they were given a ray of hope, because the devil declared, Thou fool, thou unbeliever, thou mayest pray, thou mayest pray till midnight. I am the devil, I will not be conquered. That time is not yet come, but it is near at hand. So this made the men feel very confident that they would be able to rid this man of his affliction. He eventually settled down and returned to normal. The word serene was used to describe his behavior. I can't imagine that at any point I would act so calm after all of this that it would be described as serene, right. but, um, you know, I guess he just did. Um, he was pushed by many that were there to say the name Jesus and pray to God, but he put his hands over his ears to try and not hear the words they were saying. They would tell him to cry on God, and he would just go, devil, devil. 
So that's nice. Yeah. And, um, the next day, he insulted one of the ministers with the devil's voice to try and exert its authority. It was also reported that someone came to visit him to verify his report of possession, and he asked the question whether the man knew right from wrong, and he answered that not only did he know right from wrong, but also that he was aware of the things that the demon was saying and doing. Uh, like, like he was aware of the movements that it was making him do and stuff like that. It did refrain from repeating some of the more colorful lines that the, the demonic presence was reciting. Which is unfortunate because I, I kind of want to know what it was right. saying. Like, they always say blasphemes, but I feel like the blasphemes, like, actually saying, like, saying what the blasphemes were is slightly scarier because it's like, oh, this thing really did not care. Yeah. You know. So, um, the next day was Friday the 13th. Seven ministers comprised of Reverend Easterbrook, who was the vicar of Temple Messiers, or Messengers, I'm not sure what that is, uh, J. Broadbent, J. Valton, B. Rhodes, J. Brettel, T. McGeary, and W. Hunt were all in attendance with the report saying that there were eight other serious persons, which I don't, I don't know if they didn't name them. I don't know what a serious person is. Uh, all met to pray over George Lucas at the vestry room of the temple church. They began at 11 a.m. by singing hymns of praise. Almost immediately, the man flew into a violent fit that was stronger than any that had come before. One of the ministers commanded the demon in the man to give it its his name, but it did not reply. So he was asked once again, and again he didn't reply. When it asked, when asked a third time, the demon grinned and said, "I am the devil." Having established dialogue with the demon, he was asked why he was tormenting the man. It gave the response that it wanted to show its power over man. And not just this man, but just man in general. What you doing? Chapstick. My yep. lips are super chapped. Um, his body then went into strange convulsions and tried to kick the men around. He apparently started foaming at the mouth, and his face distorted. <clears throat> oh, I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That happened out of nowhere. I didn't even feel that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. It just happened. Uh, but that's a weird way to say it, isn't it? Uh, um, so, oh, because in my household, you, you, when you, okay, okay, that's enough. No, let's let's not let's not do that anymore. All right, let's just uh, finish up here. Okay. The voice uh, that came out of the man as his body threw itself around in different forms and changes, um, the voice that came out was hoarse and hollow as if he was speaking from beyond the grave, calling the preacher a fool and telling him he was wasting his time, and then the demon swore by his infernal den that he would not quit his hold over the man. He was going to punish the man for his vain attempt at escape. Then the demon's singing commenced, 
which eventually involved blasphemy and boasting of his power. He vowed eternal vengeance on the victim and on those that were trying to fight against him. He then called on his servants to come to their stations. After this, the female voices returned to demand why the subject had brought these fools there. Then they, uh, they then proceeded to threaten the men swearing by the devil. They all cursed uh, all the attendants of this ritual, and they sang some sort of weird love song before torturing the man even further. That's creepy. Another voice came through that was new and distinct from all the others that had presented. Uh, they two, oh, the two voices spoke to each other and then threw the man around screaming insults at God. What I think is weird is he breaks into one voice, breaks into another, has like a conversation, but clearly in different right. voices. Then the devil comes out and screams uh, his return to the man. He was told to be quiet, and in defiance, his oppressor sang another hunting song, torturing the man again at the end of the recital. At various times during the prayer, the demon would just laugh horrendously, like, Ah, oh, you're under um, he then tried to summon his other demons to come together and drive the company of ministers away. So, what is your thought process? Let's say you're witnessing all this. What, what's your thought process? Um, while it's creepy, all I can seem to think about is the book When Rabbit Howls. And she has all of those the different, different people. Personalities. Like, yeah, the disassociative identity disorder or whatever it is. The did? Yes. And like she when each of those personalities came out she took on that whole role. Like one was a little girl, one was a man and her yeah. voice would change to fit the personalities of each one of these people that were in her. Well, I told in her head or whatever. I told you this was one of the most like <laughs> coolest possession stories yeah. that I had found in, in a long time and I like how it's like old yeah and, uh, and how many sources are there and right. just you do wonder oh I never even told people where this story came from no. this story came from the National Health Institute website hmm. uh, which is a, a big deal and they agree that this man was possessed well, it's not so much that they or, agree. They just have the case file on their website. Because it's, I'm wondering as well, because there is a fine line between mental health. That's true. And he has people a, thinking they're possessed and all that other stuff. Like, and being in the 1700s, they obviously probably didn't know a whole lot about mental health disorders. Just, you're a lunatic, we're going to put you in here. Right, but, well, we'll get... We'll, we, we went to St. George. He went to St. George's and they found him incurable. Instead of keeping him, they sent him on his way. Because well, that seems dangerous to it, him and other people. Well, just like how, uh, not George, but just how, do you have to be so loud, honey? You do? That's wonderful. <laughs> um, but you remember that, like, Bill Ramsey had to go through yeah. and go be sent to the hospital, and then they found out, okay, there's not really anything that we can yeah. do. He acted normal when he wasn't in these fits. And so did the lady in the book. Oh, did she? She was completely normal until something triggered her. Oh. And then she 
one of her other personalities would come to protect her. Well, this doesn't seem like it's a like a trigger thing. It just seems like it just comes on. It's pretty scheduled, which may work in Possession's favor. Like, you know, like, might put a point up in Possession because, I mean, it's 7, 11, 7. Um... I wonder if there's something significant about the times, too. I was just wondering that myself. Because I know in Hebrew, 7 is completeness. I don't know if 11 has a has a thing, but... I don't know. I feel like I've heard people talk about 11 being like a... Some sort of... Like, significant number. number yeah. But I don't really know what for. So, anyway, the ministers uh, are praying, and, and the female voices start praying to the devil they sing him so loud that the preachers stop praying and start singing over top of the demons then the devil comes back shouts some obscenities at the men and continues hurting the man which prompted the ministers to pray further on one minister tells the man to say the name of jesus but he can only repeat the word devil which i if someone was like devil 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 and i would not know thank you you can go on i don't care if you have uh, illness. Ah, Have your illness somewhere else. Right. Um, so then the minister that told him to say the name of Jesus, he hears a small voice that just comes out of nowhere. Not from the man. Not from anybody else. He just hears this. Man, that is bright. Isn't it? Um, he just, he hears the uh, just a small a small voice and it says why don't you adjure which means why don't you urge meaning you need to urge him to get you know get out the voice was said to be a good spirit that was in attendance in order to encourage the proceedings so like a guardian angel or something yeah. like that to which the clergyman replied in the name of Jesus and in the name of the father in the name of the holy ghost evil spirit depart from the man he repeated this again, and when the demon asked if he really had to give up his power, to uh, the clergyman repeated his command. He didn't even say yes. He was just like, get out. Then a howl escaped from the man, and female voices, uh, uh, the female voices started crying out, saying, our master has deceived us. The minister or I'm sorry, our master has deceived us because he told him you're going to have the power forever and ever, yada, yada, yada. Um, the man, the minister is still commanding. They ask where they could go and the answer was go back to hell and your infernal den. The man sh- soon shook and distorted even stronger than he had before and then an unworldly howl escaped from him. As soon as this was over, the man seemed to normalize. He said, with great relief, blessed Jesus, and then became relaxed. And again, the word serene is used. But at this point, if the demons are gone, I can understand the serene. Yeah. You know, you've been through a a terrible ordeal. That's true. Uh, He praised God for his deliverance and then kneeled down and said what is known as the Lord's Prayer. I say what is known as the Lord's Prayer because it was an example prayer, not something that you were like supposed to just hone in on. They yeah, asked. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a better. I think it's better to say the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that John records, where Jesus prays for His apostles and the believers and those that will believe. Yeah. That they'll have protection. I don't know. It's just if. 
Like the Lord's Prayer should be something that that came straight from Him in terms of what are you doing? Don't no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You can look out your window. Um, but like he was praying this prayer in the garden for like a specific purpose to to ask God to watch over the people that were going to be Christians his people and I feel like that's a little more impactful a little more comforting because he was about to die and his thoughts were on me kind of deal you know Yeah. but I understand the Lord's Prayer because it's such a big deal it's recited over and over and over again ad nauseum but uh, then uh, the dude sang the seventy or the sixty seventh psalm, and I actually, I actually put the the psalm from the ESV in here. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face to shine upon us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the people peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let all peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, this is important because, remember, they were talking about the uh, people that were just... Or they were talking about the uh, the demons singing a reverse te deum, which is they were praising the devil. Yeah. This is a, a perfect example of a te deum that people back then would have sang as a praise to God. The report then says that the man went on thanking the men for their work, and after two hours, he went on his way. He said that he... Uh, he was said to be regaining his strength daily, and on June 15th, a public thanksgiving was made for Lucan's recovery in, in church services. Now, the exorcism actually took place in 1778, but George claimed to have been possessed for 18 years before that. That's why I got 60-something. Okay. However, um, he was even acting in church Christmas pageants. Um, afterwards? Afterwards, yes. Uh, and he was in a, a church Christmas pageant when he got slept to the ground. So he just kept, he was like, okay, I'm going back to this activity, but this time he, he was, you know, doing stuff. Um, so he, after the, uh, after the Christmas pageant thing, he was put in the care of Dr. Smith in Rington, plus multiple other physicians for about 20 weeks at St. George's Hospital, and that's the place that they said, he's incurable. We can't do anything. Gotcha. What was that? That's Jacob messing with the lights, because he can't just let his ADHD go. He is having a hard time with it. I know. But to be fair, all them children were a little bit Hyper, I know, but you got to stop turning that light on, sweetie. Not even just a little bit. They were super wound up. Yeah. Because Christmas is coming. I know. This is when he started telling people. So he he's in. He's told he's incurable, and he starts telling people that he's possessed by his seven demons. And, but George, here's the thing. George never said it was the devil. 
He just said he was possessed by seven spirits. One Reverend John Fulton, which he was part of the, he was in the proceedings, he wrote about his experience with a demoniac saying, some time ago I had a letter requesting me to make one of the seven ministers, or to be one of the seven ministers to pray over George Lucas. I cried out before God, Lord, I am not fit for such a work. I have not faith to encounter a demoniac. Um, he said it was powerfully applied, God in this thy might meaning God's your strength. Get over yourself. Um, the day before we were to meet, I went to see Lucan's and found such faith that I could then encounter the seven devils, which he said tormented him. I did not doubt, but deliverance would come. Suffice to say, when we met, the Lord heard prayer and delivered the poor man. So they're all sure that they've won. He seems to have equaled out and been, he seems okay. But and and so that's the story of George Lucas, and I really enjoyed this story. Yeah, it was good. It's like, okay, is he insane, or because he went on to have a a normal life after this? So is it the power of suggestion winning there? Can you suggest your way out of did? Nah, I mean, not not that I'm aware of. Or unless it's like a placebo effect. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like. I don't know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our episode for this evening. I hope it thrilled you a little and chilled you a little. Be on the lookout for our Christmas episodes, which are coming out. We are doing a live event Christmas Eve. Is that that right? If there's time. What do you mean if there's time? What are we doing Christmas Eve? It's not Christmas. What are we doing Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the whole year. There's cookies to bake and food to eat. I, I think... Movies I've, to watch. Oh, yes. <laughs> I feel like we could probably record an episode in between eatings. Make us sound like fat people at home, man. <laughs> we are. No, they don't know that. We They've only seen our top halves. They do. Nuh-uh. A lot of our listeners we know in real life. Nuh-uh. That yes. None of them know what we look like. Uh-huh. Not Sheila. Not Kathy. Not Ellen. Not, Ellen, not, 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 who else listens to us? Everybody. Yeah. Everybody in the world. None of them know what we look like. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. Shh. Anyway. That being said, guys, thank you for listening. And remember, when you are sleeping in your bed, you better curl up your feet because George Lukens is looking to lick. Good night.